everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with the one and only, our Join the Journey summer intern, Michaela Swink. Hey. Michaela, it's good to have you here. You're normally behind the scenes. I am. Taking the edit notes. Yeah. Your your dad's been on the podcast. Sure has. But now you are here. The people get to hear from you. Would you just share a little bit about how you came to know the Lord and then what's going on in your life today? Yeah, of course. So I, praise the Lord, grew up in a home where truth was important and elevated to, I think, the status it should have. So with that, obviously, the Lord was very important to my upbringing I was involved in sports and did well in school. And so all of these things quickly, as one does when they aren't too tied to the Lord, um, took the place of the number one importance thing in my life. And I saw my image in that, um, Mm. started to idolize volleyball, played volleyball for a decade, idolized volleyball, idolized how well I was doing in school instead of treating the Lord as the most important thing in my life, as he should be. But... Just as we talked about yesterday about the Lord speaking to us, He continued to pursue me through my family, through my community group, through His Word, and I was just drawn back to Him over and over again. Um, Every time I failed, He pursued me relentlessly. Fast forward to today, obviously here I am, interning with Join the Journey. Here you are. Been a blast, hanging out with Emma every day. I work in the coffee shop at Watermark. I'm here a lot. I'm a student at DBU, so that's been fun. Keeps you busy. Um, It sure does. Again, even after a lifetime of being in the Word, um, things aren't easy. And we're never going to be perfect while we're still on this side of heaven. And so just like still struggle with um, self-harm and trying to find my control in things that I do or in my grades or in my social status and with my friends. But the Lord is faithful. Mm -hmm. And it's been really sweet to watch how He continues to choose me and how He loves me. Yeah, it's so good, Michaela. I love the reminder that we're all still being sanctified. We're all still being transformed into the image of Christ. Yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing. Thanks. You serve in? Currently serving in Watermark Preschool. I'm in blue, so my kids are five. Oh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. They can talk. They can talk. We can eat snack together. yeah. Run around. Learn about God. (laughs) So fun. I know that Watermark Kids is always looking for more volunteers. Yes. So if you want to get to hang out with Michaela and some awesome kids and you're local to Dallas, you're at Watermark plugged in, we will put the link in the description because we would love to have you. But all that said, today we are in 1 Samuel 5. Yes, we are. And I'm going to let Michaela just steal the mic (laughs) and she's going to teach us today. Okay. So fun. All right. So like Emma said, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 5. And here, one thing that I really wanted to focus on was the sovereignty of Yahweh over Dagon, who was the bountiful harvest god of the Philistines. So Dagon was part fish, interesting, (laughs) the creator of the farming plow, and he was the main Mesopotamian god. Although he was the inventor of the plow, he wasn't just important to just farmers. One commentator even characterizes him as the chief deity, a creator, and a protector god for all of the Philistines. So that's like the Philistines believed these things you just said to be factual. Yeah. Like so they like, would have said this it's a big is true. deal. Yeah. Um, and understandably, Yahweh, the God that we believe to be the one true God, was not happy with another deity being placed above him. 
Um, And so when the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the very presence of God, gets captured by the Philistines, taken to a city called Ashdod, some crazy stuff happens, which reveals Yahweh's dominance over the societal gods. So here's what happened. The Philistines took the Ark of God into the house of Dagon, setting it up beside Dagon's statue. I'm going to guess that, like, they probably didn't know what to do with it. They just knew that it was important. The Ark was important to the Philistines' God. So they put it in their own God's room. Um, Of course, there is a major difference between Yahweh and Dagon, the first being that one is true, good, and powerful, and the other isn't. Pretty big difference. (laughs) Big difference. Um, And we see that in what happens next. So the next day that they came back into the room, only to find the statue of Dagon lying face first on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. So this um, is obviously similar to how it looks to be bowing down in worship before somebody, showing that even the inanimate idol of Dagon was worshiping the Lord. The people of Ashdod were, of course, surprised, um, but then they just put Dagon back on the shelf and went on with their day. Yeah, like, whatever. They're like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then it happened again, um, except this time not only was Dagon on his face before the Lord, but both his hands and head were cut off and found across the room in the entrance of the doorway. This means that they were the first things that anyone saw when they stepped hmm. into the room. Ironically enough, from then on, the pagan priests regarded the entrance or threshold of the temple as holy because it marked the boundary between the sacred and the profane. So even if you don't have a half-fish statue nearby that you've been worshiping, which I hope you don't. I I hope that you don't either. (laughs) We might need to have a little conversation. Um, Email us at jointhejourney at watermark.org. We would love to talk about it. Um, We can still look at the story and apply it to our lives. So the Philistines were worshiping a god that they created themselves, probably out of metal. Dagon was the god of farming and celebrated a bountiful harvest and the people's ability to feed themselves. And that's bad. Why? Because they were worshiping their own talents, their own abilities, instead of the god who gave them those gifts and the ground that they farmed. And when we rest in the power of our own hands, they will inevitably fail us. Which is why Yahweh literally cut off the hands of the idol and threw them across the room to show the people of Ashdod that the hands that they were worshiping were powerless and unable to do anything. And Dagon's head, which was also cut off, is suggestive of his sovereign control. So when the idol toppled before the Lord, his head was also found in the threshold of the door. One commentator reminds us that in the ancient Near East, warring armies cut off and collected the hands and heads of their enemies to count accurately the number of their slain. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And as we'll get to in a few weeks, David will cut off Goliath's head and the Philistines would cut off King Saul's head. In a similar manner, this is Yahweh showing the end of the control of Dagon and that he reigns supremely above him. So after this, the Lord sent tumors to afflict the people of Ashdod, and they began to realize his power and that he was displeased with them. They connected the dots. That's so tough. It's so tough. They connected these dots between the power of the ark and the tumors, and they decided that the ark needs to go, and so they sent it to Gath. And yet again, once the ark got to Gath, tumors broke out in this city, afflicting all men, both young and old. So they sent the ark away again, this time to Ekron. But the people of Ekron had been tracking what had been going on. They regarded the ark as an instrument of death and protested, saying that it needed to go back to Israel because they wanted to avoid the death and tumors that had struck the other cities. And yet, none of these cities, even after watching the power of the Lord, turned to follow him. They instead continued to worship their own idols and place their trust in their own hands. And they faced the consequences 
that come when we go against the Lord's will. So let me ask you this, Michaela, as we we wrap up our last couple of minutes here. What what is the practical application? How do you live differently uh, because of the lesson about Dagon putting something in God's place, putting something else in God's place? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned in my testimony beforehand, I've seen myself through my whole life of placing my trust in the things that I do in my own hands, Mm. both on the volleyball court, in school. It's just really easy to do that as humans of like, man, I do really well in this area and I excel in this area. Oh, it must be because of things that I've done Mm -hmm. when in actuality— It must be because I'm awesome. It must be because I'm the best. Yeah. When in actuality, it's because, hey, the Lord has given me these athletic abilities. The Lord has given me my brain and the way that I look at the world. Um, And so I think that practically it is important to to surround ourselves with community and people who can catch us when we fall, Mm -hmm. um, who can redirect us when we veer off track because we— are going to do, do. That. Yeah, that happens frequently. Um, and remind us of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. You think about the gospel is the story of God's gift to us, what he has done for us. And when we keep that front of mind, it's much easier to avoid falling into this place of thinking, oh, I got this. I did this. Right. I accomplished this. This is mine. This is mine. Whatever. Yeah. And so I found that living an authentic life with the people who know me and know God is just the best for everyone involved because I am reminded of the Lord's truth and of his sovereignty and that, hey, even when things seem to be going well, the Lord is the one who's orchestrating that overall and that he is the one that I can turn to, that I can find my peace in, that I can find my rest in, and that he is the one that is giving me these these good gifts and nothing that I've done on my own with my own hands. So good, Michaela. Thank you for being here. Of course. Great reminders and a great challenge. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.